Well, I'm going to preach a sermon this morning. I've got a title for it. Uh, really, it's an old sermon of mine. I think maybe I preached it here one time. But barricades on the road to heaven. Barricades on the road to heaven. And certainly there's many of them for those that are lost. And we want to preach on that today. But to do that, let's talk about what a barricade is. Where the definition is an improvised barrier erected across a street or other thoroughfare to prevent access. Now, we just say it's barricade, right? We know what it is. It's very obvious what a barricade is. And uh, what about a barricade on the road to heaven? Well, it's erected to encourage you to go a different way. Boy, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. You go knocking on doors and witnessing to people, and there's barricades all over the front porch. I mean, when they start, you start, if you're able to talk to them, they'll tell you about some barricades. They don't see them. It is designed to draw your attention. Now, you think about a barricade when you come up on a closed road and you make it all the way to the barricade. You can see that barricade. It's bright orange and white, striped, all the way across the road. And that's the way a barricade on road to heaven is. It is there for you to see, to catch your attention. Now, it's not, a barricade is not an immovable structure. It's actually very easily removed if you know how to do it. But it's built by someone that does not want you on that road. When I worked with the state, worked with Bridge Department for about five years, about 150 years ago. I was a teenager when I started there. I'll tell you how long ago it was. But uh, we, we didn't put up the... Uh, barricades and detours, we had a sign department. That's what they did. They'd come out, they'd uh, put the barricades up, and they'd make detour signs. Now, this might seem hard to believe for intelligent people that you are today, but we would close the road, and people would actually walk from their house that we could see down to the bridge that we had tore out or getting ready to tear out and say, how do I get on the other side? They've been living there 30 years, but they don't know how to get to the other side any other way except to cross that bridge. That's a little hard for me. Now, I'm not talking about the Mississippi River or the, not even the Yadkin River. I'm talking about a little stream that every road crosses. It's not big enough to stop a road. They just go right over it. But they don't know how to get there. But there's... Many roads, many barricades in life that put there to keep you off the road to heaven. Sometimes it's hard to understand, if you're a Christian, how people are so close to salvation but yet miss it a million miles. there's There's no degrees of missing salvation. There's no degrees of missing heaven. There's not closer and closer. And then look, no, you've missed it. You've missed it. There's lost people that are raised by saved people. You say, well, how did they end up lost? Because they started lost and never got changed. Lost people that are married to saved people. Lost people that go to church where salvation from the Bible is preached. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. 
For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. There are millions of ways to hell, and every one of them is a million miles wide. There are, God may put some barricades to try to stop you, but you can go around them too. Jesus 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. One singular way to heaven, Jesus Christ. If you're lost and never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and you are trying to find your way on the road to heaven, you can't trust the detour signs. Now, when they they closed that road off when I used to work there and put a detour sign up, you could follow that detour sign and get to where you wanted to go. But you cannot follow Satan's detour signs to get to heaven. There's only one way. You can't go around the barricades. You can't go over or under. You must remove the barricade that has been placed in front of you and stay on the road to the cross. Let's look in the Bible at a man named Naaman and some barricades that he encountered. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1. 1 through 14, I believe it is. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now this is a little interesting if you think about it. We want this to be a different message entirely, but Syria was the enemy. And it says, the Lord had given to deliverance unto Syria by him. The Lord give deliverance. And the Syrians had gone, verse 2, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. And he brought the letter unto the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I a god to kill and to make alive? that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? 
Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall become again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was raw and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and far, far rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? When he then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. When you do it God's way, God will do what he said he will do. Every, every time. But as we said, people are Want to go to heaven, but there are barricades right. on the road to heaven. And we're going to talk about five of those today. Number one, the first barricade, affliction of sin. Yes. Affliction of sin. The barricade built by a lying devil. He lied to Eve. Yes, he did. Sure. And we know where that got her and got Adam. And got us. Yes. He is the inventor of lies. He is the father of lies. That's right. Right. And he is the builder of the barricade. Yes. Of the affliction of sin. He lied to me. <laughs> yes. The day I got saved. Yeah. Come on. He was there. Come on. Now maybe not Satan himself. But one of his demons was there. Come on. And the Lord said you need to be saved. But you are. Lord said you need to be saved do you want your grandpa to know you lied Come on. Go ahead now. he lied to me right. if I hadn't got saved how many times would I have had to tell that lie in 50 years that's, good. Right. that's a bunch of lying ain't it What would have happened if I never told the truth? I'd die and go to hell. Yes, right. Is he lying to you? Are you depending on the word of God to get to heaven? Are you depending on a feeling? Are you depending on something other than the word of God? It's a lie. What would happen to you if you died right now and entered eternity? Where would you be? Right now. 
where would you be? Good. There is a right now coming in all of our lives. Amen. We are all sinners. I said before service started, Jesus loves each one of us the same amount. And we're all sinners, and he wants to save us. Yes, sir. We're sinners by birth. Yes, we are. Right. We didn't born and grow into it. We were born sinners. Right. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, Romans 5, 12, That's right. and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we're sinners by birth. Now, I'm not a doctor or I don't have a Ph.D., but I believe everybody in here today has had a birth. And if you have had a birth, you are a sinner. So we're sinners by birth. We're sinners by nature. So it's not just that we're born sinner and then live perfect after that. No, we sin... It just comes natural. Now, how many of you as parents have two kids and you taught one of your children to take toys away from the other? Did they learn how to do it? Very quickly, right? Nobody taught them. It's natural to do wrong. It's natural to sin. We're sinners by nature. You don't have to be taught how to sin. And you don't have to be put on the road to hell. You've got to get off the road to hell. Right. And then we're sinners by practice. Some sins we just do over and over. Right. You've met people. And I pray there's none here today. I don't know of any here today. But I've met people, and I told one man this. I said, you lie so much, you don't know when you're telling the truth and when you're lying. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's like the old joke, you know, when is a lawyer lying? When you see his lips moving. Wow. I'm glad our lawyers are not like that, in case any of them that I know is watching. <laughs> so, but we sin by practice. We just, we just do it. Right. We don't do it once and learn from it and quit. We'll do it and learn from it and do it again. Right. We're sinners by practice. So there's the affliction of sin. And the next barricade is following instruction of men. Yes, sir. So like I said, we were working on the bridge and we would see them come down and they would say, can you tell me how to get to the other side of the bridge? Now some of them were from a long ways away. They just didn't know. And I guess they couldn't see the signs. We just point to the signs. We point to the detour signs. So when someone says, can you tell me how to get to the other side of eternity? You point to the Bible. It's the road map. It's the only way to get there. But people say, well, the Bible is a good book. But I think I'm all right. No, you're not. You're not. What you and I think does not change Romans 6 and 23. The wages of sin is death. We can think whatever we want to think. 
It doesn't change that. But verse 5 and 6, talking about the barricade of following the instruction of men. And the king of Syria said, now this is the king, right? This is the top guy in Syria. Go to go, and I will send a letter. Now you you got a letter from the king. That's what you need to do, right? I'll send a letter unto the king of Israel. So, hey, you got two countries, two number top number one men. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment and brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, Now, when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Now, I believe the king was powerful. I believe the king was intelligent. I believe the king had good intentions, but he was 100% wrong. This barricade is built by lying men. You ask somebody, are they saved? Yes. You get a lot of quick answers in Davidson County when you ask, are you saved? It's almost always yes. How do you know? (laughs) Asked the lady that years ago. I do what the priest says. (laughs) Well, I understand you're putting your faith in the leader of your congregation. I do what the priest says. Well, how do you know you're going to heaven? You ask somebody else. I believe in God. Well, the Bible tells us that Satan believes in God. So that's not the way. Satan ain't going to be there. I had a young man tell me this. My mama told me I got saved. I was three years old on the dining room table, and I got saved, my mama said. Knows nothing about it except what his mama said. That's That's not what the Bible says. Mama's good. Mama loves you. But if mama's different from the Bible, she's wrong. I'm a Baptist. (laughs) That don't do it. I believe baptism is important. I believe you ought to follow the Lord in baptism. But if you get baptized a lost sinner, guess what? You come back up a lost sinner. I was born into a Christian family. There's a lot of people in Davidson County born into a Christian family. That's not going to make it to heaven. Because that family... Although they may have instructed them and may train them if they haven't gotten saved, if they haven't trusted Jesus Christ as Savior as an individual, it's not going to do them any good. Are you saved? Yes. How do you know? I'm a good person. I know a lot of good people that's not going to heaven because that's not what does it. Are you saved? Yes. How do you know? God's a loving God. I even said myself, right, he loves everyone the same. But just because he loves us does not mean we're going to heaven. Amen. 
You must realize you are lost. You know when I got saved? When I realized I was lost. Amen. You know when you got saved, if you're saved? When you realized you were lost. Yes, sir. You're right. Now, most of you have seen a TV show or a movie, and there's an accident, or a bomb blows up or whatever, and there's a car or a bridge hanging off the edge of the bridge, and there's somebody in the vehicle, and somebody has to rescue them, and, of course, after they rescue them, it always falls off after they rescue the person. Now then, you may be here. I may get a raised hand, probably not, but I may get a raised hand. How many of you here today have been rescued from a vehicle hanging off the edge of a bridge? Raise your hand. Be honest. Don't have any. And I know exactly why. Because you've never been in a vehicle hanging off the edge of a bridge. You, never, you didn't need rescuing. But we all need rescuing from hell. Everyone here is or has been lost and on their way to hell. Right, you're right. Sheila used to work with a man that had a son in his 20s that was diagnosed with MS. That's a young age to be diagnosed. And usually when it's that young, they have a pretty hard life because it's so long for that disease to progress. Well, nowadays they, they do have medicines that you can take and I'm not for all medicines, but some medicines, when you have a disease, you have to do something to slow that progression of the disease. And so they really have some, they've all got things you don't like about them, but the consequences of not taking them is worse. So the doctor prescribed it, but he wouldn't take it. He wouldn't do it. Now, if he could see, if he could believe what was going to happen to his body if he didn't do something about that MS, he'd took some medicine. Right. Now he was told and probably showed and probably give examples, but somehow he thought he would be okay. Now, I don't know how that ever turned out, but if he truly had MS, there's going to be a time he regrets it. Right, right. If you believed you were going to hell, you would receive Christ as your Savior. Amen. Now you might believe you're on your way today, but you also believe somewhere, somehow, that's going to change. Come on, that's good. Maybe it's even I'm going to get saved later. But you might not be able to right. get saved later. You might not have an opportunity. If someone aimed a gun at your head and said, get down on the floor, and you believed they were going to shoot, how long would it take you to get down on the floor? Would you wait till later in your life when you had a more convenient time to get down on the floor? Good. Amen. Come on now. No, you'd be on the floor. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, be ye also ready, 
For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. And you can say the same thing about the end of your life. Be ready because you don't know when it's coming. The third barricade, seeking salvation from the wrong person, verses 3 and 6. <clears throat> and she said to her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him from his leprosy. Now this maid give her mistress some very good advice. Tell your husband to go see Elisha, and he can heal him of his leprosy. And she was 100% correct. <clears throat> but by the time we get to verse 6, and he brought a letter to the king of Israel saying, and this is what they did instead of what she said, now when this letter is coming to thee, that's being the king of Israel, behold, I have therewith sent name of my servant that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Now very clear instructions who to go to. But they had a better way. Right. I guess the king, maybe. I'm a king. He's a king. Anything that's in my country, I have power over. Anything that's in his country, he has power over. So if I ask him to do it, he should do it. But he can't. He doesn't have power over the healing of somebody that the prophet had, Elisha. It's a barricade built by lying religion. When Naaman went to the king of Israel, he did not get healed because he went to the wrong person. Right. See, he was seeking. He knew he had leprosy. He was part of the way there, right? He knew it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a secret disease like MS that you can't see. He knew what he had. It was a common thing. He knew what he had, but he didn't know what to do about it. When he went to the right person, the prophet in Samaria, he was healed. When you come to the point that you realize you're lost, if you know that Jesus will save you, that's the person to go to. That's who you must go to. There's only one true gospel. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's the way to heaven by Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son. He didn't give Mohammed for you to get to heaven. He didn't give Mary for you to get to heaven. He didn't give another Jesus for you to get to heaven. He didn't say you could come on your own. If you find a way, okay, that's a good, you, you get here. No, he didn't say that. Right. He didn't give us many ways. He gave us one way. That's right. He gave us Jesus, yes, his only begotten son. Right. And just like when Naaman went to the king to be healed, he did not get healed. And if a lost person goes to anybody else other than Jesus Christ to get to heaven, they will not get to heaven. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ 
And to confess with the mouth, that is, that you believe he was the only begotten Son of God. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, shed his blood as payment for Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, and he did that for you. And you confess that and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And the next barricade is the attempt to purchase salvation. <coughs> now maybe, I don't know if, if you've noticed this, and, but I didn't read anywhere where the maid said, if you go to the prophet and take a certain amount of money, that's not what she said. She just said, go and he'll do it. But verse 5 said, And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. So they didn't feel like just asking was going to be enough. They were going to have to bribe him. This barricade is built by lying covetors. They covet riches. However they can get them. They don't care if your soul dies and goes to hell. They just want, what you, they just want your money. Right. They covet power. If they end up sending your soul to hell, that doesn't matter to them. If it makes them more powerful, that's what they do. They covet popularity. They love to be popular. If you'll notice in most of the Word of God, God's prophets were not popular. As a matter of fact, most of them got killed. Salvation is a gift. It cannot be purchased. If you do something to get it, you are saying, I don't want your gift. I will buy or make my own way. You say that all I have to do is ask and Jesus will save me. But there's got to be something I got to do, and I got to figure out what that is. I got to get my life right first. I got to, I got to get situated. I got to get this done. I got to do this. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. You got to get the eye out of it. You just have to believe what Christ said. And then the first, fifth barricade is the expectation of a supernatural <laughs> miracle. Verse 11. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. And this barricade is probably the toughest barricade of all and it's built by lying self. The Naaman was used to being treated special. It says in verse 1, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Naaman was used to great, doing great things and great things being done around him and for him. God is not going to make a special case for you. He's not going to do something different for you 
than he's done for everybody else. He's already done it. Jesus said, it is finished. So he was looking for a supernatural miracle. He was looking for something big. He was looking for a big display, maybe shooting stars. I don't know what he was looking for, but he was looking for something big. And he wanted to be part of it. He wanted to be healed, but he wanted to be part of this big shebang, whatever it was. Here's your miracle. Romans 5, 8. But God commanded his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You are special to God. You're so special that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. Again, for God so loved the world. That's you. You are part of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, and that is you also, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's special. You see, God did make a special case out of all of us. And he sent his son to die on the cross. Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, I don't have to look around in here and say, well, that one and that one and this one and this one, they're sinners. We're all sinners. All of us. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. What sin? Just sin. Any sin. All sin. And we're all born sinners. We're all sinners by nature. We're all sinners by practice. So our wages is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You say, well, what about you, preacher? You're a sinner. Don't you deserve death? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Right. And you know what the wages for my sin? Death. That's right. But they've been paid for by Jesus Christ, and I have accepted that payment for my sins. <laughs> Romans 10 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved and then verse 10 this is important for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, and all the things that I just said about Jesus Christ, if you believe them in your heart, you will confess it with your mouth. And then verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, anybody, that's you, anybody. And I think of another verse in the Bible is very important. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you confess, he will forgive. If you're here and you are lost today and you've never asked God, realizing that you were lost, you've never asked God, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I accept what Jesus did on the cross as payment for those, those sins. Forgive me and wash my sins away. Now, I don't, don't have been those words. But if you've never asked him to do it, you're not saved. Right. It didn't just come today if you leave here saved. And you, if you come in lost and you leave saved, it won't be because you heard the word of God. It won't be because the word of God made you feel good. It won't be because somebody here said something good to you. It will be because you accepted Christ as Savior. Right. Miss Susan comes. We stand to our feet. <clears throat> maybe you're here today you're like Naaman might be a lot of good things about you but you're a sinner and you need healing you need God to take that sin away just as Naaman went to the prophet and by the power of God he took that leprosy away when he believed the prophet and did what he said. If you're here and you've never received Christ as Savior with all heads bowed and every eye closed all heads bowed every eye closed would you be willing to lift your hand today and say, pray for me, I'm lost. Preacher, pray for me. I have never asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. I've never asked him. I never trusted that he did. Never fully trusted that he did. I've spread the words maybe. But I never really trusted him. You know what? Would you raise your hand for prayer? Lord, we thank you for the day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the message that you laid on our hearts, Lord. Thank you for the word of God that tells us, Lord, how to be saved. And Lord, tells us what conviction is, what sin is. But, Lord, most of all, it tells us what our Savior is, that he died on the cross for our sins. Lord, I ask you to touch hearts today. Lord, if there is one here that's lost, the Holy Spirit deals with their heart. In Jesus' name, amen.